What is up, everybody? It's Jacob with the Football Fanatic, and we have some major breaking news right now. Adrian Peterson has finally been traded. The Saints were just not using him in their scheme. He spent four games, really just didn't get any volume at all. They were just having Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara take all their carries. So finally, another team traded for them. Adrian Peterson has been traded to the Arizona Cardinals, and I think that's a good fit. David Johnson went down with his injury, and they're really struggling now. They've had Chris Johnson as their main back. Uh, their main carrying back, Andre Ellington, has been getting the catches, but it, uh, Chris Johnson just hasn't really been getting it done. So Adrian Peterson to the Cardinals makes a lot of sense. I think he's going to start getting quite a bit of volume as the workhorse back for the Cardinals. So very excited to see how he's going to do in the future with his new team. What is up, everybody? Jacob with the Football Fanatic back again doing our week five recap i apologize if you're looking for the week five preview i had another issue with recording again i don't know what the issue is with that um i just whenever i record with uh, whenever i have a guest who's actually with me and it's not a phone call uh, it just seems like the audio does not record properly so i lost it all again so I'm very sorry for that. So just uh, for future reference, in case this happens again and you have specific questions, feel free to just uh, send me a tweet on Twitter at NFLFanaticPOD or you can send me an email, jacob at footballfanaticpodcast.com. So you can reach me and just ask me specific questions just in case my uh, preview doesn't get up. But hopefully I'll have that issue or I'll have that issue figured out in the future. But Today we are going to be recapping every game from this weekend. I'm going solo today, so hopefully we can get this done. Um, and I'm, re I'm sorry that the audio isn't uh, as good of quality as it sometimes is, but that's because I'm just recording, uh, not using a microphone, because that's when I seem to have all the issues with uploads. So, uh, yeah, with all that said, let's get started with our recaps. We start off our episode with a recap of the New England Patriots versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Patriots win this game 19-14, to but it was a close one. Uh, the Buccaneers actually probably should have won this game. Their kicker, Nick Folk, missed three field goals in this game, just a pathetic showing. And if he'd, missed even, or if he'd made even one of those, they would have been able to attempt like a 35-yarder to win the game at the end, 20-14, to but they had to take a shot at the end zone instead, weren't able to complete it, so... Nick Folk probably will not be with the team much longer, but that's part of the reason they lost. Patriots just didn't look very good in this game. Rob Gronkowski didn't play, so that definitely had an effect on their offense. They didn't do as well. Um, but overall, just didn't get a whole lot done. Chris Hogan was pretty much the only guy who did anything. He got 8 for 74 and a touchdown. And he was the only touchdown that the Patriots scored. Brandon Cooks was 5 for 85, no touchdowns. Danny Mendoza 8 for 77. James White, 7 for 57. So definitely some serviceable guys, especially in PPR, but there wasn't a lot of scoring by the Patriots. And that's what we've come to expect from their offense. And they're definitely going to need it the way that their defense has been playing lately. Speaking of their defense, they actually um, didn't, they only allowed 14 points to a struggling Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense. Doug Martin looked great in his return. He had 74 yards and a touchdown on 13 attempts. Savage a little over five yards a carry, but Jameis Winston was just missing throws. And before the game, in my uh, week, in my pre-recap or preview of the Thursday Night Football game, I said that Deshaun Jackson would probably have a big game, and I was right about that. He was five for 106, but it should have been even bigger. Jameis Winston missed him on multiple throws, including one that should have been a touchdown. So. 
that that was part of the reason that they only scored 14 points is Winston just couldn't make a lot of the throws that he needed to. He did connect with Cameron Brait for a touchdown, which is his third straight week with a touchdown. So Brait's uh, stock is looking very good, and Deshaun Jackson has been pretty decent. He's he's a guy who's always off and on. Just um, he's a burner. So if he gets there. Then he gets lots of points, otherwise he doesn't. And then Mike Evans, 5 for 49. So not a great day from him, but not terrible either. Uh, takeaways from this game, basically Doug Martin is going to be the workhorse. Uh, Jacquez Rogers only got three carries in this game and got two yards on them. So he's not going to be of much use now that Doug Martin is back. Um, and Mike Evans, he's going to be up and down, but you always got to start him if you have him. Uh, but overall, I want to see more from the Patriots' offense. And, I mean, the guys they have, Chris Hogan, Brandon Cooks, James White, they continue to be weekly starts especially when Gronk comes back. But uh, hopefully they are able to bounce back from a pretty poor offensive performance uh, against the Giants next week. In the next game, the Cincinnati Bengals took down the Buffalo Bills, and the Bills had really been looking good. They're coming off two straight wins against the Atlanta Falcons and the Denver Broncos, two of the top teams in the NFL. But the Bengals were able to take them down in this game. I think the addition of Bill Lazor as offensive coordinator has really changed this offense for the Bengals and made them quite a bit of a better team. Their defense was already doing well, and that continued, but it was their offense that needed to step up, and they have been doing that since Lazor was hired, so they definitely looked a lot better. Dalton did throw two picks in this game, but they did enough on offense to get the win. Joe Mixon, another takeaway, he was the feature back. He had 15 attempts for 51 yards. Hill had only four attempts. Uh, and the touchdown Mixon scored was a goal line carry. So uh, Jeremy Hill will not even be getting the goal line carries, it looks like. So Mixon is the guy you want on the Bengals for the ground game. Dio Bernard is serviceable as well, but he only got 32 yards, uh, two catches, and two carries. So not a ton of volume for him either. I don't know if that's going to stay the same or not. That's going to be a situation I want to keep an eye on. Part of the reason the Bengals won this game, on the first play of the game, A.J. Green gets a 77-yard touchdown pass, and it was just the beginning of a big day for him. Seven for 189 and a touchdown. It's a very, very nice day from him. Um, other than that, there's not really anybody worthwhile on the Bengals' offense. Tyler Croft, the tight end from last week, four catches for 38, and he was the leading receiver other than A.J. Green, so... There's not really anybody else you want on that receiving team other than A.J. Green. Uh, for the Bills, we expected them to struggle on offense a little bit, especially the way they've been playing, and then going up against a pretty good Bengals defense. Uh, but it, I didn't expect it to be quite this bad. Tyra Taylor had 166 yards passing. LaShawn McCoy had 63 yards rushing, so they just didn't do that much on offense. And I think part of that is due to the loss of Charles Clay. He got injured in this game in the first quarter, and he has been their leading receiver throughout the past few weeks. He's the tight end, but he, nobody on the, other, on the team, nobody for the receivers has really done anything, especially with Jordan Matthews breaking his thumb last week. So he'll be out for a month. And Zay Jones hasn't been able to step up as the wide receiver one. He had only one catch in this game. Charles Clay had two for 31 before he went down, and then nobody else was really able to take his place, closest being Nick O'Leary, which was another tight end. He was five for 54. So basically the tight end is the guy that uh, Tyrod Taylor seems to be throwing to quite a bit. He hasn't really gained any trust with his receivers. So LaShawn McCoy, obviously he's getting the volume. He got 25 touches in this game, and it didn't add up to a lot of yards. But you have to keep playing him because when that volume comes, eventually he's going to get in the end zone, and eventually he's going to get those yards. So it's coming. Be patient. And Tyrod Taylor continues to be a serviceable um, bi-week fill-in streamer week to week. Uh, got a touchdown in this game. 
and he's always got his rushing as well. He only had one carry in this game, but I expect that to go up a little bit as the weeks go on, especially with Charles Clay looking to be out for a few weeks. So um, that's another big loss for the tight ends that have been really struggling so far this year. Another one goes down, so you're going to have to um, look elsewhere. My advice would be to hang on to him, uh, especially if you have an IR spot. But if you're in a deeper league, you'll probably need to find someone else. So if you have any questions of recommendations on tight ends, feel free to leave a call in about that or send me an email. The next game is probably one of the most boring games of the weekend, the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. I mean, this game is just brutal to watch. The first score wasn't until 31 seconds left in the first half. It was this field goal, a 57-yarder, and before that, every play had been, or every drive had ended in either a turnover or a punt. Just ridiculously bad for both offenses, and I mean, I guess that's kind of what you'd expect. These are some bottom-tier teams, but uh, it, was, it was quite bad. Uh, for the Jets, Bilal Powell went down in this game, and I don't have a report on how long he'll be out yet. That hasn't been released, but... That's definitely concerning, especially if Matt Forte doesn't come back. Elijah McGuire is definitely a guy you're going to want to pick up on the waiver wire. He's going to be pretty much the lead back for now because he's the only guy that they've got uh, at running back. 11 carries for 20 yards and not a great showing, but they didn't have anyone else to play in this game. So you definitely are going to want to get him if you can. Um, then... Josh McCown threw two touchdown passes, but only 200 total yards, and it was very well spread out. So Jermaine Curse catches a touchdown. Austin Safarian Jenkins, the tight end, catches a touchdown. Uh, Safarian Jenkins also led the team in reception, so that's something you're going to want to have on your team. Volume is always good for tight ends, and it uh, seems to be kind of hard to find these days. So if he is on your waiver wire, that's a guy I'm wanting to look at. If he's on your, if you lost Charles Clay, Safarian Jenkins is definitely a target I'm looking for. And then Curse is pretty much the only receiver you'd want for the Jets if you have to take one of them. For the Browns, Isaiah Correll, unfortunately, still unable to really get going. He had 60 yards in this game on 16 attempts. So not terrible, but really not that good either, especially since this was the first game that they were in it the whole time. In the past, they've just had to go to Duke Johnson and catching passes right away because Crowell, I mean, when you go down right away, you have to throw to catch up. Uh, but even in this game where... He got a lot of attempts. He got a lot of chances. He wasn't able to produce. So uh, hard to expect much production from him. I don't even know if he's a starter at this point. Duke Johnson, however, the other running back, the receiving backs, continues to do very well. Three for 63 and a touchdown. I think this is the third straight week he's had a receiving touchdown. So if you started him, you got some great output there. Um, other than that, you don't want any of their receivers. They're all so inconsistent. Kenny Britt without a catch in this game. Rashard Higgins, two for seven. Uh, Ricardo Lewis led the team with 5 for 71, and then there really is not much else. Everything is everything is spread around and varies week to week, so you don't want any Browns receivers. But other than that, the Jets come away with the win 17-14 and advance to 3-2, and two, still second in the division over the Patriots, and the Cleveland Browns fall to 0-5. The Carolina Panthers travel to take on the Detroit Lions, and they get the win in this game 27-24. to uh, coming off of a win against the Patriots, and now with the second straight road game, are able to take down the previously 3-1 and Detroit Lions. So Cam Noon had three touchdown passes in this game and 355 yards. First time that he had back-to-back 300-yard -back games since his first two games of his career. So things are really looking up for him. I've, I still don't know what to think about him. After the first few weeks, I cut him because he just wasn't producing, and then immediately back-to-back -back three touchdown, 300-plus yard games. I don't know if I'm ready to trust him yet, but things are definitely looking up. 
think if he's on your waiver, you probably have to add him, speculatively at least. Jonathan Stewart had 18 carries for 21 yards in this game. Just pathetic. I don't, I've never thought he was a starter, and I'm being reaffirmed of that. He had barely over a yard per carry and didn't get any touchdowns either, so not serviceable. Christian McCaffrey had three catches, or excuse me, five catches for 31 yards and a touchdown, so he finally gets his first score. Other than that, didn't have a lot of yards, but the touchdown definitely saved his day and rewarded you if you had him started in fantasy. Ed Dixon, the tight end, 5 for 175 in replacement of Greg Olson. This is not something I expect to continue. He's the first Carolina Panthers tight end to ever have two two different 50-plus yard receptions, um, and he caught all five of his targets. So I, d- I don't think this is going to continue. Maybe you can add him if you want and just keep him on your bench for a while and see what happens, but personally I think there's probably more value elsewhere. Kelvin Benjamin catches a touchdown along with Devin Funchess. So Funchess last week had two touchdowns, this week has one, and looks to be continually more involved in the offense, and he's become a weekly starter in my eyes. Kelvin Benjamin probably getting back up there as well. For the Lions, Matthew Stafford, two touchdown passes, but in a game where um, they really needed to get a lot of points, Matthew Stafford didn't really score any until the end and almost was able to pull off the fourth quarter comeback, lost by only a field goal, but wasn't able to pull it off. Uh, the tight end, Darren Fells, was the recipient of both touchdowns, which, again, this is not something I expect to continue for the tight ends, but just another reinforcement that Eric Ebron is not worth playing or even rostering in my eyes. Amir Abdullah, 10 for 31 on the ground. Zach Zennervolts were a touchdown from him, so this is kind of what I was expecting going into the season. Abdullah wouldn't be the goal line back. I would take away from his touchdown upside, and that's why I never drafted him, and I was reaffirmed of that this week. Golden Tate was 5 for 48. Marvin Jones was 6 for 54, so both of them pretty average. They did decent in PPR, but other than that, um, not really a lot of production. And It's hard to trust really anyone on the Lions' offense, honestly, because they're just so up and down. They don't really do a lot because they don't need to. They usually go up by a little bit and then just kind of grind it out until the end. Stafford will make a touchdown and tie up the game or get a fourth-quarter comeback if he needs to. It just seems like every game they're really close, and then they'll either pull it out or just barely fall in the end. But there's not really ever a lot of offensive production from them, so it's honestly hard for me to trust any of them on offense. But, yeah, they fall to 3-2 and two after the loss to the Panthers. San Francisco 49ers and Indianapolis Colts. This was another game I was expecting to be pretty boring, but it got pretty good at the end. The San Francisco 49ers scored two late touchdowns to tie up the game and go into overtime, but ultimately they weren't able to pull it out in the end. Indianapolis Colts take this game 26-23. to Jacoby Brissett did not throw a touchdown, but he had a rushing touchdown for... Uh, a, now he has three on the season, I think, so it doesn't do a lot through the air, but he was serviceable if you started him in fantasy. I actually had to stream him in a league or two just because there's so many injuries to quarterbacks, and my usual one was on a bye, so... I had to pick him up as a streamer against a weak 49ers defense, and he did all right. He did enough, so he got me the win, not by himself, obviously, but he did enough to help me get there. Marlon Mack led the team in yards this game. He had 9 for 91 and a touchdown, and did more than Frank Gore. Gore had 14 for 48, so not a lot of production from him, and usually he's the guy who gets uh, the touchdowns and more more uh, volume than Mack, but... 
looks like Mac is getting more involved in the Colts offense, and that's what I expected. I'm just surprised that it took this long, honestly. So that's a, definitely a situation to monitor is the time split between those two and who starts to get more of the carries. On the receiving end, T.Y. Hilton was 7 for 177 yards, had well over half of the yards that Jacoby Brissett threw in this game, and really nobody else did much of anything. I don't think Jack Doyle played in this game, so he didn't get anything. Uh, but T.Y. Hilton definitely led the team. Nobody else got any more than 38 yards, and that was Frank Gore. So T.Y. Hilton definitely is coming back to the form that you thought he would be when you drafted him. But other than that, uh, Dante Moncrief just isn't trustable, especially with Andrew Luck out. He's just a red zone threat. That's pretty much all he is. He gets it, the ball in the end zone, or he doesn't really get it at all. So he's pretty much the definition of boomer bust. For the 49ers, Brian Hoyer had two late touchdown passes, as I mentioned. They went to Kyle Juice. No, I don't know what his la- how to pronounce his last name, but he's the tight end. He had two catches only in this game. Or, excuse me, he's the fullback. I mean, so that's not something you can trust week to week. The other one was George Kittle. Seven for 83 and a touchdown in this game. He's a guy who maybe you could consider a streaming tight end. He was very hyped in the offseason and looking to uh, start to get some of that production. There hasn't done a whole lot the rest of the year, but things are definitely looking up for him. Marquise Goodwin led the team in yards. He had five catches for 116 with the long catch of 51. So he's the deep threat that the 49ers have. And going up against some tougher defenses, I don't know if he's going to do much, but he's definitely a guy worth keeping an eye on. Pierre Garçon was 8 for 94, so the PPR guy you expected lots of catches, and it added up to lots of yards against a weak Colts defense. Won't always be quite that high, but he's definitely a great guy to start in PPR. The most surprising thing about this game, Matt Breda led the team in attempts and yards, 10 for 49. Carlos Hyde had only 8 carries for 11 yards, so I started him and didn't help me at all. Uh, But Matt Breda... The, the coach said that he was just trying to ride the hot hand, so that is not good news for either one of these guys. If you if you have them in fantasy, you can't really count on much production from either one of them. So they're going to be in a split, it sounds like. You can't really trust either one of them week to week. The Tennessee Titans and Miami Dolphins. The Dolphins win this game 16-10, to but they just didn't deserve to win this game. They had an early fumble return touchdown, and that's really what kept them up. And... Uh, obviously because Marcus Mariota did not play for the Titans. Matt Castle got the start. And, I mean, he didn't do terrible. He didn't throw an interception. Uh, he did lose a fumble, but he threw a touchdown and did his best to keep them in this game, um, but didn't really do a whole lot. I was expecting more production from DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry, honestly. Henry was 4 for 9. Murray was 14 for 58. Neither scored. Um, I was. I expected them to lean on the ground game with... Marcus Mariota out. I didn't think they lean on Matt Castle, but I was just wrong about that. So I apologize if um, you heard me talking about that. Not really a good game for either Murray or Henry, and um, it, it's hard for Murray owners. I have him in a league, and just hasn't been get, getting production the whole season. He's usually like a second-round pick, third-round pick maybe, probably even a first in some leagues, and it's rough, the production we've been getting. It's not good, and... Even when Derrick Henry only gets four carries, Murray still isn't really able to do that much. So definitely not good. Nothing really of note for the receivers for Tennessee. Eric Decker got four for 34. Rashard Matthews, three for 34. Um, So it's nice to see Decker finally get something, but uh, it's not with Marcus Mariota, so it doesn't really mean much for you. And None of them got any production, so hopefully you didn't start them. 
I don't think he would have since Mariota wasn't playing, but uh, still an issue. The Dolphins, Jay Cutler, 92 yards. I think that's like probably a record for like the lowest output by a quarterback of a winning team. Like this was pathetic. He didn't really do much of anything. He had less than a 50% completion percentage, only 12 completed passes, and just not much of anything. Devontae Parker had an ankle injury in this game, so he went out. I think that's part of why they struggled. But Jarvis Landry catches a late touchdown to put them in the lead, and uh, Tennessee wasn't able to come back. So Jarvis Landry had five catches for 44 yards and a touchdown. Nobody else caught more than no other receiver caught more than one pass. So I continue to say that you can't really trust much of anyone on the Dolphins. Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker, if anyone, but uh, Parker got injured, so that's part of why he didn't have a good output. But hard to trust any of these guys. And I think Parker and Landry are probably guys that you can start, but you can't. They have a low ceiling because of Jay Cutler. And Ajay continues to struggle. 25 for 77, averages about three yards a carry. Still does not get into the end zones. I don't think he scored yet this year. And another guy who's drafted very high at running back, and it's frustrating to see him struggle. I think partly because Jay Cutler just isn't doing well. They're able to. Other teams are able to focus on Ajay and keep him from doing much on the ground. So struggling. Um, frustrating to watch for the Dolphins. They're 2-2 two and two now coming off this win, but I continue to not really be able to trust anyone on, the, on that offense. The Los Angeles Chargers beat the New York Giants 27-22 to and get their first win of the season and knocking the New York Giants down to 0-5, the third 0-5 team we've talked about so far. Phillip Rivers, they have three touchdowns. Two of them go to Melvin Gordon, the running back, so he is a guy who's doing very, very well this season, both rushing and receiving. He had over 160 all-purpose yards along with two touchdowns, 26 touches. So he gets a lot of volume, and he's doing stuff with it, which is more than we can say for some of these other guys we've been talking about. So great to see from Melvin Gordon. Continue to trust him as like a top-five back, I would say. Keenan Allen, four for 67, so didn't get a ton of volume. But that was expected going up against Janoris Jenkins and the New York Giants secondary. I expected more volume to go to some of the other guys, and that didn't really happen. Tyra Williams and Travis Benjamin combined for three catches for 40 yards. So not a lot there. Hunter Henry gets into the end zone again, so that's good to see. Uh, he's still splitting time with Antonio Gates, though. They have their two tight end sets, and that takes away from his upside. But it's good to see that he is still involved in that offense. Uh, for the Giants, Eli Manning continues to struggle, and this game was just rough for the Giants. They were leading partway in the fourth quarter, but throughout this game, they lost all four of their top receivers. And it was just, just bad. Odell Beckham, 5 for 97 and a touchdown, but you can't count on that again. He fractured his ankle, and he will be out for the entire season. He's undergoing surgery today. So terrible news for the Giants. He was what's getting their offense going. They struggled without him. I expect them to continue to struggle throughout the rest of the year. Uh, Brandon Marshall had an ankle injury, and we've yet to hear a report on him. Sterling Shepard had an ankle injury. He's week to week. Um, so just just rough. They only have one healthy receiver on the roster, the Giants. So the, at the end of the game, they were playing tight ends at receiver, and it just that's why they weren't able to come back, is they're just having communication issues. None of them knew what to do. So Eli Manning's trying to coordinate all this and uh, ends up throwing a pick to close out the game. So... Giants expect them to continue to struggle. I think the thing to watch for them, Orleans Darkwa and Wayne Gallman, how the touches are going to split out between the two of them. 
Darquois was 8 for 69 and a touchdown in this game. Uh, was not a red zone carry, though. It was a 23-yard scamper, and then Wayne Gallman was 11 for 57. So they both did pretty well, much better than Paul Perkins has done. So I'm expecting those two to be the guys. I still think Wayne Gallman will pull it out in the end, but definitely you're going to want to keep an eye on those two and see what they do in future weeks. The Philadelphia Eagles just demolished the Arizona Cardinals 34-7, to and Carson Wentz throws four touchdown passes. He continues to look like the real deal. And even though Alshon Jeffrey being shadowed by Patrick Peterson wasn't really able to do much, he was 3 for 31, he spread the ball around and got it done. Tim Burton caught a touchdown at the tight end, Zach Ertz caught a touchdown, he's another tight end, and that's one that you can count on to continue 6 for 61 in the touchdown. He's the only tight end of this entire year to get at least 8 fantasy points in every game in PPR scoring. Torrey Smith catches one 3 for 70 in a touchdown for him. Nelson Aguilar, 4 for 93 in a touchdown. So I think it's hard to trust most of these receivers week to week just because uh, Carson Wentz really spreads the ball around, as you can see. Zach Ertz is one that I want to start every week, though. Uh, and Carson Wentz, I think, has earned weekly starter status. He's just been performing very well and led the Eagles to a 4-1 start. He's one that I'm starting in my fantasy league. I drafted him late, and he's uh, he's the guy I was starting after I cut Cam Noon. And that... His performance is basically the reason I don't really worry that much about losing Cam Newton now that he's kind of performing well again. But Carson Wentz did better, and I think he did the most. I think he had the most touchdown passes this week, so definitely great things from him that he he's done. And looking forward to more of that so far this year. He's really looking to be leading a good team. He's really stepping up for the Cardinals. Carson Palmer. Uh, only led the team to one touchdown, and that one went to John Brown. He had two for 26 and then a touchdown. And then Jerron Brown, J.J. Nelson, those are kind of the guys you'd expect to split with. J.J. Nelson had the most output of the three, four for 80. Jerron Brown was three for 39. So I still think Jerron Brown is probably the guy out of those three that you want, but hard to trust any of them on a weekly basis. Larry Fitzgerald, six for 51. And Andre Ellington, that's the guy you want on this offense, nine for 65. Uh, nine catches for 65 yards, only one carry, and it went for negative yards, but he continues to get a ton of work in the passing game. Carson Palmer just gets pressured constantly, so he's always having to dump it off to Ellington, so that's going to uh, add up to continual good performances from Ellington, so he's the guy you want. Chris Johnson was 9 for 21, leading this backfield. Didn't really do much there, obviously, but Adrian Peterson, as we just talked about, he just signed with them. He was traded from the Saints, so he will probably be the lead guy in getting almost all the carries going forward. So Chris Johnson, bye-bye. Andre Ellington, I think, will continue his role because Adrian Peterson has never been a pass-catching back. But Ellington, Peterson, Fitzgerald, those are the guys you want for the Cardinals. And now it's time to talk about the most pathetic performance of the week. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers fall to the Jacksonville Jaguars 9-30. to Ben Roethlisberger throws five interceptions in this game, zero touchdowns, becomes the second quarterback in NFL history to throw five, five interceptions and zero touchdowns. The only other one is Ryan Fitzpatrick. How do you like that for company? Just awful. I mean, he didn't, couldn't even get the garbage time points. I expected him to put up some at the end with the Jaguars and prevent defense, but just kept throwing interceptions, kept losing the ball. He had 55 attempts in this game and had a 60% completion percentage, but... Just bad, just bad. I don't know. I don't know what to say about him. Uh, Martavis Bryant, another disappointing output, only five for twenty-one. I don't. Th I don't know if you can trust him anymore. I thought he was going to go up, but seeing the way Ben Roethlisberger is playing, 
I don't think you could trust him. Juju Smith-Schuster was 4 for 58, had a second straight good week. He's a guy maybe you want to keep an eye on, but aside from Antonio Brown, who was 10 for 157, hard to trust anyone for them. Uh, even against a good Jaguars secondary, Brown was able to put up 157 yards. He's the guy that Ben is looking for. But other than that, and Le'Veon Bell, I don't think you could start anyone on this offense. And speaking of Lev Bell, he was 15 for 47 uh, rushing in this game, so only about three yards a carry, but also gets 10 receptions for 46 yards. He caught a lot of dump-offs, a lot of screens, and that's something you like to see as well, especially in PPR. Ten catches, that's a lot of points without even getting any yards. For the Jaguars, Blake Bortles only needed to attempt eight, uh, or he attempted 14 passes, only completed eight, so just, just had one more yard than Jay Cutler, also threw a pick, but uh, that's why you don't really see much for uh, the receivers for Jacksonville. Marquise Lee at 2 for 49. Alan Hearns at 2 for 21. Nobody else had more than one catch. So those two are the ones that you're going to want to watch going forward. But I continue to think that they're not week-to-week -week starters, maybe depending on the matchup, but not really that much. And Leonard Fournette, the rookie, 28 attempts, 181 yards, two touchdowns. And one of them was a 90-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter of this game, so it didn't really mean too much. But even without that, he had 90 yards and a touchdown. So he is a guy who's continuing to look like one of the best backs in the league and continues to get the volume and production to back it up. So with that, though, I want to have a discussion with you guys. Do you think this is the end of the line for Ben Roethlisberger? In a press conference after the game, he said, maybe I don't have it anymore. I think that was kind of just an angry statement, like, I don't know how to explain how I performed, but what does this mean for the Steelers? What does this mean for Roethlisberger going forward? Call in with your thoughts. Send me a tweet at NFLFanaticPOD or email me, uh, Jacob at FootballFanaticPodcast.com. Love to hear your thoughts, and if I get enough volume from uh, you guys, then I will make an episode out of this so we can all listen to each other's thoughts. So uh, let me know your thoughts on that one. The Seattle Seahawks knock off the division rival Los Angeles Rams by a score of 16-10. to 10. Russell Wilson not really able to get too much going, uh, but one thing that was good to see in this game, Jimmy Graham caught six passes for 37 yards and a touchdown, so finally gets into the end zone with his new team. Uh, so good for him. He hasn't really done anything so far this year. So good to see him finally get some production. Definitely going to watch and see if that continues to happen. Um, other than that, they didn't really do that much. Doug Baldwin was 4 for 37. Paul Richardson, 3 for 35. So pretty well spread around. Russell Wilson only had 198 yards. So not a whole lot to go around there. They struggled on offense. Uh, that includes on the ground. Thomas Rawls, 8 for 20. Eddie Lacy, 9 for 19. Both of them just not really able to get anything going. 17 for 39 combined. So I, I was expecting, or hoping, I should say, not expecting, but I was hoping one of them would be able to pull away and claim the starting job so we just know who to trust going forward. They weren't able to do that, so I think the time split is going to continue until one of them can pull away. You can't trust either one of them right now, but they're probably just worth a stash on your bench with Chris Carson out for the year. Jared Goff and the Rams struggled this game. Jared Goff had two interceptions and zero touchdowns. Um, didn't expect a whole lot of production going up against the Legion of Boom, but did expect a little better than this, especially the way he's been playing so far this year. Tyler Higby, the tight end, 4 for 98, led the team in yards. Robert Woods led the team in catches with 5 for 66 yards. Cooper Cup, 3 for 44, and he actually dropped what could have been the game-winning score 
Um, so that was rough to see towards the end of the game. I think it was like within the final minute. Cooper Cup dropped what would have been a touchdown to put to put them in the league, assuming they kicked the extra point. So rough loss for the Rams and rough for Cooper Cup. But Jared Goff reaffirmed him after the game, saying the reason he threw it to him is because he's good. So uh, Cooper Cup, I expect to can. Uh, he has some tough matchups coming up, but I think he's going to continue to be at least decent. I don't know if that means startable in fantasy leagues, but I don't know. Uh, Gurley, 14 for 43. So he didn't really get a whole lot going. He only had two catches to go along with it. So uh, but a five-point outfoot in standard and seven in uh, PPR. So that's that's rough to see. But um, definitely you, can t- you expect him to continue to get better, especially after the year he's been having. Again, the Rams have tough matchups coming up, but Todd Gurley is one who's going to get his volume. So expect better days going forward for him. Baltimore Ravens knock off the Oakland Raiders down to 2-3. and three. They win this game 30-17. to 17. And the Raiders, a disappointing year so far. Yeah, Derek Carr didn't play, but we expected the Raiders to be one of the top teams this year, and they have a losing record right now, so that's frustrating. E.J. Manuel actually did decent in Carr's absence, though. 159 and a touchdown, uh, so wasn't able to do a whole lot, but he did enough, and that's that's more than you can expect from a lot of backup quarterbacks in the league, it seems. Part of the reason that they lost... Uh, Jared Cook lost a fumble early on in the game, and it was returned for a touchdown, so rough start for the Raiders there. Um, Michael Crabtree was 6 for 82 and a touchdown, so he re- he did pretty well in his return from injury. Amari Cooper just honestly continues to suck. One catch, eight yards. That was it for the entire game. So I think this is like his third straight game with one catch, so you can't trust him anymore. I'm not saying drop him. He's too talented for that, but you have to bench him. You, I don't think you can start him anymore. Um, other than that, there's not really anybody else on the Raiders you can start either. Jared Cook is uh, a streamer, I would say, but he's not a weekly starter. Marshawn Lynch finally gets a touchdown, but still only 43 yards on the ground, and then he also had a catch for 10 yards. So decent, but without the touchdown, not really much there. The Baltimore Ravens, uh, Joe Flacco does not throw a touchdown pass, but Javorius Allen uh, has a rushing touchdown, and also another rushing touchdown goes to Vince Mayle. A wide receiver. Um, Alex Collins and Devorius Allen split carries as we suspected, but they definitely leaned on the ground game in this one. They had 33 carries between the two lead backs, and then they also had um, Terrence West had two, and I don't expect him to have much of a role going forward. He also got injured in this game, so no report on him yet, but it sounds like he probably won't be doing that much for them. Devorius Allen and Alex Collins are the guys you want, and looks like the way that it's going, they're both going to get quite a bit of volume. Uh, Mike Wallace had three for 133, so he led the team in yardage. Jeremy Macklin got the most uh, receptions, but didn't really do a whole lot with them. So uh, Mike Wallace, I don't think you can trust him week to week either. He's still, this is his first good game of the year. And I was expecting production like this throughout the year, but the way he's playing right now, I mean, last week, again, was it was a good game, but I don't know if you can expect it going forward just because he's been so inconsistent. Other than that, there's nobody you can really trust for them. Uh, ben Watson, who has been doing at least decent for them at tight end for a while, two catches, two yards. It's an, a frustrating output. Uh, Javorius Allen and Alex Collins, I think, are probably the guys you want. Javorius Allen more so. But both of them could be serviceable for you in future weeks.
Next up is the game of the week in my book. The Green Bay Packers edge out the Dallas Cowboys 35-31, to and what a game this was. Aaron Rodgers threw a late touchdown to Devontae Adams to win this game uh, in the final seconds, so it was very, very intense. It was close uh, pretty much throughout the second half. The Cowboys took an early lead, but the Packers chipped away at it throughout the game and eventually were able to pull out the victory. We'll start with the, the Cowboys. Dak Prescott had three passing touchdowns and one rushing so the offense for the Cowboys was spectacular. And that's what we'd expect, especially going up against a Packers weak, weak defense. And as a Packer fan, I can say that. Um, Ezekiel Elliott struggled in the first half. He had 29 attempts for 116 in the end, though. He really turned it on uh, in the final quarter. So really, he, he definitely helped his output at the end of the game. In the first half, he really didn't do that much, though. But good to see him finally get going. And I think the Packers' defense is at least, uh, it's decent. But the way the Cowboys were controlling time of possession, they had an eight-minute drive at the end of the game. And uh, obviously they left just enough time for Rodgers to come back and score. But they were leading long drives. And I think it wore out the defense. And that's why Elliott was finally able to up his production. Um, but yeah, he did end up with a pretty good day in the end. For the receivers, Cole Beasley catches two touchdown passes. Only 23 yards on four catches, but two touchdowns. And that's, I mean, it's not something you can expect going forward. He's a guy who gets his volume for sure, but it's never, it's never like this. He doesn't really catch touchdowns that much. Uh, Des Bryant also gets a touchdown. He was 5 for 52 and a touchdown on the day. Dropped another one earlier, so if he hadn't dropped that one, he would have had two and Cole Beasley would have had one. But uh, Jason Witten, 8 for 61. So he continues to be a good PPR option. And Bryce Butler, I still don't know why he is not starting over Terrence Williams because Williams dropped a pass that actually got returned for a pick six by the Packers. And Bryce Butler just continues to look really good while he's in there. He keeps catching long passes and saving Prescott while he's under uh, intense pressure. So I, he looks much better to the eye test to me. So I, I don't know a ton about the Cowboys. I don't claim to know, like their management and stuff but to me it seems like Bryce Butler should be the guy he's much more consistent than Williams it seems to me anyways for the Packers Aaron Rodgers throws three touchdowns two of them go to Devontae Adams who returned from his concussion last week he didn't even miss any time he goes seven for 66 and two touchdowns so great to see him back on the field and producing Jordy Nelson was two for 24 so only caught two two passes this week but he did get into the end zone which is, I mean, you practically are surprised if he doesn't score. He's so consistent getting touchdowns. He's the first guy that Rodgers looks to in the end zone. So he gets in the end zone at the end, uh, but other than that, doesn't really get a ton of volume. And that's just the way he seems to be. Martellus Bennett was 3 for 53, so he finally gets involved a little bit. Uh, caught a really deep 33-yard catch pretty early on in the game to save Rodgers on... Um, another one where he was pretty under pressure and that's that's another note uh the Packers O-line really struggled in the beginning and Rodgers struggled to get things going because he's just under pressure immediately every time uh, but they eventually kind of adjusted their game plan and the O-line was able to hold them off at least somewhat Rodgers had to scramble around quite a bit though the biggest thing for me in this game Aaron Jones third string running back for the Packers was 19 for 125 and a touchdown he looked fantastic and with Ty Montgomery out and Jamal Williams uh, active but still kind of hurting, it was really good to see that Aaron Jones was looking good. 
I mean, he looked good on his carries, and he got yards, and the holes were pretty open, but he made some moves. He looked good, and I, I'm glad to see that the Packers have a running back they can trust. And with Jamal Williams, he came into the game a little bit. He was active, but he didn't really need to worry about re-aggravating his injury because Aaron Jones was doing so well. Uh, so Williams didn't really need to come into the game. But you continue to trust pretty much all the guys for the Packers, uh, Nelson, Adams, and now Aaron Jones, it looks like, at least until Montgomery comes back. And I expect that when Montgomery comes back, even then, Aaron Jones has earned himself a role, and he'll continue to get at least a little bit of work. This week's Sunday night football game was a fun one. It was so good to watch. The Kansas City Chiefs win in the end 42-34 to over the Texans. And, I mean, even in a losing effort, Deshaun Watson looked fantastic. Five touchdown passes, which gives him nine touchdowns in two weeks, continues to look like just a beast. And guess what? His five touchdown passes, three of them went to DeAndre Hopkins. So after a really lackluster year last year, DeAndre Hopkins is really producing with his new quarterback. He's definitely the favorite target. Had uh, twice as many catches, which was only four, but twice as many catches as anyone else on the team, and three touchdowns. So 75% of his catches were touchdowns. So he didn't get as much volume as he has been in the past, but still getting touchdowns. And De uh, Deshaun Watson only completed 16 passes in this game, but five touchdowns on those. So 33% of his uh, completions were touchdowns. Crazy efficiency for them on offense. Will Fuller was the recipient of the other two touchdowns. So two straight two-touchdown two games from Will Fuller. Obviously, it's going to go down. You can't maintain that. But good to see that he continues to get looks from Deshaun Watson. I expect his role to maintain or his role should be pretty steady. I don't think his production will go this high continually, but good to see that he keeps getting looks. Lamar Miller was 15 for 74, didn't score in this game, but still uh, got a lot more carries than down to Foreman, who only had four. Did pretty well with him. He was four for 34, but did lose a fumble as well, which I think is part of the reason Miller got so much work. For the Chiefs, Alex Smith threw three touchdowns and no picks, and he looks like a guy that you can start week to week in fantasy football. He is very, very consistent. He looks like the Matt Ryan of last year, continues to throw touchdowns. And two of the touchdowns, not Kareem Hunt, they went to Sharkhandrick West, the third down back. For some reason, he was in towards the goal line. He catches two touchdowns on two, two catches, so 100% of his catches were touchdowns. Kareem Hunt, though, even without scoring, gets a lot of yards. 29 for 107. It's his fifth straight game, so five out of five with 100 yards. He's the first, first player to get 100 yards in each of his first five games since Adrian Peterson. So very good to see from him. He continues to produce even when he doesn't get into the end zone. He's so consistent. Travis Kelsey was 8 for 98. Definitely the lead back for them. He had 8 catches. Nobody else had more than 4. So Travis Kelsey continues to be the guy that um, catches pretty much all the passes for the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill was 4 for 68 and did pretty well. Chris Conley tore his Achilles in this game. He was their wide receiver too. Uh, so he is gone now. I don't think he'll be back for the rest of the season, it sounds like, unfortunately. But Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, Alex Smith, those are the guys you want for the Chiefs. And I think Sharkhandrick West is probably starting to carve out a role for himself as well. So if you have Kareem Hunt, you probably want to sign him as a handcuff. That would be my opinion. And finally, we move on to Monday Night Football, where the Minnesota Vikings just edge out a win over the Chicago Bears, led by Mitchell Trubisky, scored 17 points. So the, the Vikings win this one by a field goal. Sam Bradford plays for the first half and just does not look good. He gets sacked quite a bit. 
He only completes five passes. So in the second half, Case Keenum comes back in and gets the Vikings the victory. Got more yards on the first drive, more completions on the first drive than Sam Bradford did the entire first half. So Bradford's still clearly not looking ready to come back. I think it's mostly due to injury. He obviously looked good last year and the first week of this year before he got hurt. So I expect better things for him going forward, but at least Case Keenum is serviceable while he's gone. Uh, Stephon Diggs only catches one pass for four yards in this game, so that was uh, that was rough. He's been very, very consistent the whole year, gets a lot of production and lots of touchdowns, but didn't do much in this game. Part of it, he was out with a groin injury, so he definitely missed a lot of time, but even while he was in, he didn't do that much. Adam Thielen got his work, though, 5 for 34, and you'd still like to see more from him, but... It's still, it could have been worse. Kyle Rudolph got six receptions for 45 and a touchdown. And that was one that um, I personally didn't expect. I still have him on a few of my teams and I'm starting him. But uh, it's been a while since he's gotten this many targets. And I expected it uh, to stay that way until Sam Bradford came back. But Keenum was targeting him in this game. And that included the red zone target where he caught the touchdown. So good to see Rudolph finally get involved again in this offense. Biggest takeaway for this game for me. Jarek McKinnon, 16 for 95 and a touchdown on the ground, along with six catches for 51 through the air. He got 22 touches in this game. Latavius Murray only got 14. And I was expecting Murray to be the guy who was leading the team in carries uh, and snaps at the running back position. They signed him this offseason because Jarek McKinnon didn't do well enough last year. But McKinnon looked very good in this game. He had a 58-yard touchdown run, just looked a lot better than Murray, so... Uh, I think he's going to be the guy, at least for now. I would expect Murray to compete for getting the role himself at some point, but McKinnon definitely looked better in this game. Mitchell Trubisky in his debut, one touchdown, one interception. So not a lot, but you wouldn't expect it against the Minnesota Vikings defense. He did pretty decent. And uh, Pat O'Donnell, the punter, actually had a touchdown pass as well. They ran a fake punt uh, in the third quarter. That worked to perfection, and it was it was fantastic. I was not expecting it at all, and we were actually joking about the production on offense from them. And then they go and run out a fake punt and score a touchdown on it. So that was pretty cool. Um, but that touchdown went to Benny Cunningham, the third-string running back. So unfortunately, not a lot of production for Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen, especially Cohen. Jordan Howard had uh, 19 for 76. So could have been um, could have been worse, but could have been better as well. And Tariq Cohen, uh, frustrating day for him, six attempts for 13 yards, and he was continually taken down with short yardage or in the backfield. They just The Vikings' front line got back there so quickly. He also caught a pass for negative six yards. Kendall Wright was four for 46, uh, but other than that, not really much you can trust for any of the Bears receivers as we've expected. Trey McBride was targeted quite a bit, but never really was able to come down with it, unfortunately. So you can't really trust anyone for the Bears. If anyone, I think it'd be Zach Miller, the tight end, but I don't really want any of them. Jordan Howard is pretty much the only guy I want on the Bears' offense. Maybe Tariq Cohen, depending on the matchup, but mostly Howard. The thing I look forward to most is seeing how Mitchell Trubisky performs in the coming weeks. He looks pretty good. Could have been better, but definitely could have been a lot worse for rookies. I think he is going to be uh, definitely better than Mike Glenn, and I look forward to seeing how he plays in the future. So that is it for this week's recap. One quick note that I did miss, though, for the Texans, J.J. Watt uh, had an injury that he's going to have surgery on. They took him to the hospital right after the game, and it sounds like he is going to miss the rest of the year. So terrible news for him.
They also lost Whitney Mercer in this game, torn pectoral. He is also going to miss the remainder of the season. It's a huge blow for this Texans defense that's been pretty good. Um, but the two of them are both out for the season. These are two leaders of this defense, and it's going to be hard for them going forward. So that wraps up the recap for this week. Thank you all so much for joining me, as always. It's been a pleasure, a really fun episode. Um, so I'm doing a episode soon where I would like, as I mentioned, to talk about Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, we're going to talk about Odell Beckham and his uh, his upcoming uh, new deal that he'll be getting and a few other things that I'd just like to discuss with you guys, see what your opinions are. So stay tuned for that, and if you have thoughts on either one of those things, Definitely send me an email, send me a tweet, whatever you want to do to get hold of me. And then, as always, check out footballfanaticpodcast.com to see a list of all of the recent episodes that we've done. they got every episode we've ever done there. And then also a spreadsheet with my picks for each week. And so far, this week I didn't do very well. I only got half of them right. Uh, the first week I did the best, and it's kind of been not as good since then, but it will get better, I promise you that. So go footballfanaticpodcast.com to check that out. And as always, I will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.